Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we got in store today? Hey, Adam. So uh, it's going to be a great episode. Today we have uh, Caitlin Van Wagner, Van, not Vaughn, I have been corrected. Um, and she is a senior director of communications around here. Caitlin kind of makes everything better. And we're going to talk about communications. But before we get there... Uh, we just found out this is not Caitlin's first no, podcast. She is a veteran. I am. What other podcast have you been on, Caitlin? I was on a podcast that my friend, uh, two of my friends put on. All right. First of all, we can pause right there. Nobody's that just that it's like a podcast that my friend like. Yeah. <laughs> this is yes, starting. Yes, everybody's starting yeah. to now to narrow this table. down. Yeah. Just to set your expectations <laughs> my low. Two friends. Um, yes. And the premise was a single girl and a dad with young kiddos went and experienced the same thing and then talked about it from the different perspectives. And they always brought a friend along, either another single person or another dad. And our so I was the single person in that scenario. And we went to the largest comic book store in Dallas and talked about what that experience was like for two single girls trying to make our way in the wild, wild west of comic book stores. That's amazing. Is that podcast still going? You know, I don't know that it made it past. That is so surprising. First, I know, so I shocking. know, especially with my, yeah, I think there was at least 17 downloads on my episode. So <laughs> some very so, disappointed listeners right now because yeah. they're sitting there going, yeah, finally, yeah, yeah. finally, yeah, podcast somebody has for you. this podcast. Oh, <laughs> hey, we're going to jump into uh, some thoughts on communication. Adam, any thoughts before we uh, get going here? Yeah. So I, we just said that Caitlin, you know, runs our communications team yeah. and we, we know that not every church has a communications department, but we do know this, that every church communicates. And so you're communicating about things that are going on internally, communicating things to your city or your town that you're in. And so this is a big deal for everyone. So we don't want people tuning out just because they're going, well, I don't have a communications team. Uh, this is this is a, a part of every leader's job. And so hopefully we'll talk about some principles that will be transferable regardless of the size of your church. And uh, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. And I think the premise of also what we're going to talk about today is uh, things that we wish we had known earlier. And so I would argue that if you, even if you don't have a communications department, or let's say you've got a communications department that's growing still, you are, have a huge advantage. So a lot of what we're going to talk about today are things that we paid the dummy tax around. So things that we wish we had known earlier. So Caitlin, you brought this list of, you know, some of the things that we, where we have paid the dumb tax. One of them is this, we used to think that a stage announcement and a brochure was all that you needed. What do you mean by that? Another way to think about that is what used to work uh, a couple of years ago probably doesn't work today. So what I mean by that is this habit of constantly reevaluating. Communication is a living and breathing organism that changes all the time, right? And so uh, we call it fighting legacy creep internally. So making making it a habit of constantly reevaluating your communication channels. My favorite story is uh, a couple uh, about a year ago we have our weekly bulletin, which internally we call the Watermark News, and it was this sprawl document. I mean, over six pages, you'd walk into it to Watermark and we'd hand you a copy of War and Peace. Welcome Watermark. Here are all the announcements. Right? And to be clear, there was a day we were very proud of the Watermark. Oh, very proud. I mean, we thought this sets us apart. Yes. Yeah. And so we were trying to make these small tweaks to it to kind of make it better. And one of the girls that I work with walked into my office with a, a, a new format for the Watermark News, literally written on the back of a napkin that was... <laughs> 
half of the size, way clear. It saved us a ton of money, candidly, long term, because we were cutting down all this print and ultimately was a much better communication tool. Um, and that was an example of, it was one of my proudest days of, of my team because it was this example of, we we are we have been doing this the same thing for too long. We need to be reevaluating re- it. Yeah. And I, and I think one of the challenges too, that anybody that communicates is going to feel this is, there's really no one method of communication that is clearly winning anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we say some some people may be skeptical, go, whatever, it nothing's changed. You just got to get it out there and a stage announcement and a brochure is just fine. Well, what's probably happened is the the like the market has gotten watered down. So you may be able to reach back in the day, reach 80 percent of your body through a stage announcement mm-hmm. and a brochure. <clears throat> where nowadays it may it may be down to 50% or it may be down to 40% or even 30%. So it's just like nobody's clearly winning. It's it's just very uh, spread out and uh, fragmented. Yeah, right and you have now. to think about how to use all of those different methods and what they're good for, right? And yeah. there are some, I think if, if you start to just ask that question, um, sh- is this still working? Yeah. Is there a way this could be simpler? You'll typically start to see trends that fall out. So, so talk about how yeah. we do that. Yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, so one of the things that we just started, I wish we had done this earlier, is two years ago. So we have an annual survey that we do. And we just included, uh, It was. it's typically about spiritual growth. And we included a question about communication methods in that survey. We just simply ask which, to our members, which communication methods of ours do you rely on most? And the insights that fell out of that have really helped to drive our communication strategy. So one of the overriding insights that came out of that is they rely on our weekly emailer. We call it The Current. It's a simple emailer. It goes out every Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. We use MailChimp. And that is the number one method they rely on most for getting information from us. We'd always assumed it was stage announcements and our watermark news. Those are still important channels. They do things for us. But now we are starting to think a lot more about the power of email, even beyond that weekly newsletter because of those insights. Um, social media for us wasn't as strong a driver. And so part of it was, uh, let's get more excellent on that. But also, we just it just helped us focus our time and energy on email, which a lot of people discount, I think. The next one here is we used to think of our content as one and done. So uh, we don't think that way anymore. How do we think about that? John, you actually call this weaponizing it. So it's the communications equivalent of um, gleaning wheat left behind after harvest. So so here's another way to think about it is if you're a church, you're probably a natural content engine. So what do I mean by that? It means that every given week you're naturally producing pieces of content. So whether that is a sermon on a weekend or maybe a blog post or a podcast that people are already producing. There are probably ways to reuse and repackage that content to fuel your other channels. So a lot of uh, churches will come to me and ask, what do we put on social media? And so one of the ways our answers to do that is we repackage our weekend content. So we take every single one of our sermons, we clip out um, the the two or three clips that are the top minute or two minutes, each of those clips that are really interesting. And we use that to fuel our social channels throughout the week. And it's a way to naturally extend content. You don't have to create new stuff from scratch. Um, and so that's a way to extend it. That's good. Yeah. You see churches, they spend so much time uh, getting ready for the Sunday morning thing or the conference or whatever it is, the class. Uh, and then they're on to the next, the next class, the next conference, the next Sunday morning. And 
the the amount of work it takes to kind of repackage some of what's already uh, there is so much smaller than creating a whole new uh, batch of, of content. And so I think it's really, really smart to think about before uh, you, you go creating more stuff so that you can post up or send out, just how can we leverage what we have already? It's it can be as simple time. as take the sermon, take five quotes from the yes, sermon, five absolutely. sentences. So take five sentences Put a quote out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with a link to your website to listen to the rest of the message. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to encourage the body that's there, remind them of what was already said, a great way for the body to then be able to share that with others. And so that's just you didn't have to create anything new. No. You just had to you had to listen and, and just get five sentences. Yeah. Another thing that I do is another way to just think about gleaning content. So every Tuesday we have a staff prayer, which is essentially our all staff meeting. And I take notes during all staff prayer for what I call watermarkism. So these phrases um, that are kind of unique and pithy ways of saying things that we can eventually turn into blog posts or we can put out on Twitter. And that's just another way content's just kind of falling out and you just glean it and then repackage it. Yeah. So in a staff meeting, if somebody in says something meeting, great, mm -hmm. then use that. Go up to say, hey, will you write three more paragraphs on that? We're going to put that on our blog. That was a really great thought that mm -hmm. you just shared. Just yeah. use what's already there. And I would say that this is more of a recent shift for us. And the thing I wish we had done, I just wish we had started this earlier. Yeah. So I would say that even if you're not ready to repackage it, starting an Evernote of your best sermons, that your gangbuster gang sermons that y'all have created, or your watermark-isms, even if you, do whatever your version of your church is for that, even if you can't use them yet, capturing them, you'll be so glad when it comes time to actually put those out. Yeah. And Caitlin, you even know like what, you know, what sermons have been downloaded the most mm -hmm. and what you look at all that. We look stuff at that. Because, yeah, yeah. We look at that on a weekly basis too. And then we also sometimes ask our members, Hey, but keep in mind, we're 18 years into this mission. And so I wish we had done it in year one. So there's right. some of our excellent content from back there. So sometimes we ask longtime members, Hey, in, in year one and year two and year three, what were those sermons? What were those messages that really defined this place that was interesting or unique, or we felt like we really clearly expressed, and then we can go back and do that. So I would say if, if you're in specifically a newer church, implementing this practice early will serve you five years from now. That's right. That's good. You know, I think too, um, if you can think about this on the front end, when you are creating the original content about how can we, uh, you know, repurpose this or how can we add additional resources, it, it can, it can make uh, both of those processes better. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. so some of the things that, that I can remember, we did a uh, conflict field guide. And so when Todd talked about conflict, um, we kind of made this three-step process and had in mind, I think at the time, we're going to create this little two-page PDF. And it, boy, that thing has traveled. And mm -hmm. uh, he'd, already had the, he'd already had the content. He already had the, kind of the outline. And um, we were thinking about how could you put this into uh, a document later. And we're still, we're still using that. I don't know, is it like 16 years yep. later? Yeah. Um, and it had a really, really long shelf life. Yeah. So. Our number one piece of content on watermark.org, our website, is actually a sermon notes. So some of Todd, our senior pastor's sermon notes from a sermon that gets 5,000 hits in a week. And it's just his sermon notes that somebody put up in a blog form. And we've over time, over time, we've gone in and shaped it and cleaned it because there were typos and all these things. But that was so simple. And we kind of just stumbled across it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So uh, next thought is that we used to allow ministries to run their own offense, uh, but now uh, you seek to lead with them. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So the story of kind of how, of how Watermark grew, and I think this is how a lot of people grew, is we grew uh, really, really deep and really wide fast. So 
all of a sudden ministries started popping up and then campuses popped up, which, which, um, multiplied complexity was so fun and so exciting. And we love that entrepreneurialism. But when it came to communications, what that meant is because we, we weren't necessarily ready for that. A lot of our ministries had to run their own offense in terms of communications, which can be okay. And I think is the, the place where a lot of ministries are. But for us, the challenge that we started to run into is that consistency um, of excellence really kind of began to slip. And then people's also expectations of a church, I think, have, have grown over the last couple of years where they expect more um, from their churches. And so we really had to think about how to um, centralize our communications more to keep up with that. So an example of something that we did that I, I, I think that we would all agree now we wish we hadn't, hadn't have done is that we gave away the keys to the kingdom to our website, watermark.org. So yeah. essentially for a really long time, anybody could make updates to the website um, that wanted to. So almost everybody had keys to the kingdom. Um, I think that that we wish we wouldn't have had done that. So yeah. we're in the process of having to, to back that up. And it's been hard and frustrating and it can be discouraging for some people who or have less access than they used to. So I wish we had thought about that differently. I mean, I set up a web store on it and I sold yeah. fine other like, goods. You're, and s- you're selling your- Put my kids through college. Bikes. Yeah. I had no idea that happened. Hey, they gave yeah. me the keys. Should have <laughs> done it. They gave you the keys. Yeah. Um, thoughts on websites just while we're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, church websites, how a leader uh, should be thinking about the value of a website. You know, some guys will say, well, that guy, uh, my job is to preach great sermons and that's what matters and or great kids programs. And what what is the value of a website anyway? It's the f- biggest front door of your church. So people are going to check you out, probably check you out online before they ever step foot on your campus. So think about it as, um, as the first place that they visit. Their first impression of you is their website. So if somebody has a limited communication budget, are you saying that a a large percentage of it should probably go towards making the website as amazing as possible. Yes. I would say that that's, that's, it feels like you have to, that's a, that's a prerequisite to play in this day and age is that yeah. your website would be excellent. That's, that's good. Great. So what's, you know, you'll see like there's even conferences now on first impressions and what, what they mean by that is uh, what happens when a visitor kind of comes into the parking lot and they've got kids, do they know where to park? Do they know how to get to kids? Uh, the kids check in uh, what's the check-in experience, like all the stuff that happens before they get into the, the worship center. That's important. Yeah. Uh, but I think Caitlin, what you're saying is like, well, before they get to the parking lot, they have been to to your website and they've given an up or down vote on you based on kind of what they see. Absolutely. And then a lot of people are actually visiting your website that will never once step foot on your campus. So 50% of our web traffic is from outside of a driving distance of any one of our campuses. So it's people who live in Peoria uh, listening to our sermons and reading our blogs. And so that's another uh, reason that your website can, can really expand the reach um, of your message or can really expand outside of your, your footprint. That's it. What's maddening about the website is how, uh, taste and technology and trends change and how you just kind of have to keep updating that thing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you want to keep it simple, but uh, I do think you want a budget uh, for that. And some people spend a truckload of money on coffee every year uh, for first time guests and things like that. And I really do think if your website is less than, and everybody's website can be better, everybody, mm-hmm. including ours. Um, but I was, I was looking at a church um, a couple weeks ago and I, it's a great church. It's a great church. Uh, but their website, you know, um, looked like it was built in you know, 2001. And I just thought if I lived in this community and I was, I just did a Google search, which I would do, uh, 
I would look at this website and I would never go there mm -hmm. and I would miss out. And uh, I think they're doing so many things right, but they've just not spent a little bit of time um, thinking about that. And they probably don't have somebody like you or anybody uh, that's really going, we've got to get this right. We've got to get this um, this messaging right. And uh, we can't let everybody do their own thing. Someone's got to have a, a centralized uh, vision and uh, strategy. So mm -hmm. that matters. So how do we seek to lead with ministries now? Yeah, I think that, so it's, it's helping to arm them with simple tools also uh, to be excellent and consistent. So I, I think if you if you don't know where to start, I would start with a simple one-page Word doc that's a branded Word document template and a branded PowerPoint template that you can arm your ministries to go and run their own offense, but it still feels like it ties together. And in five years, when your ministries have expanded and they've created a thousand one-pagers, you're going to be really glad you armed them. Yeah. And so just to even unpack what that would look like, this is a one-pager that says, these are the colors that we use, right? Is mm -hmm. that what you mean? And these yeah, are the fonts that be. we use. And these is, this is the logo. And it's just, just kind of showing them these are the parameters to play in from a creative perspective that'll keep us all consistent. Yes, absolutely. It could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. You talk about that, um, the deck, what did you say? Like you create like a, a generic deck. A generic PowerPoint deck yeah, yeah. that you arm your, so just with, with preloaded color or preloaded backgrounds and templates that they can then drop their own content in. And so it doesn't necessarily have to run through your team, but it still feels cohesive with the rest of your communication. So simple tools to arm with them, cast vision for consistency, cast vision for why it matters that it all feels and how that communicates excellence to people often and then arm to, to really lead with them not to become a, a hindrance to them in terms of slowing down the process. Okay, so the person that's sitting there going, nobody does that, right? <laughs> like Caitlin, they're going, nobody, nobody. Like I bet businesses don't even do that. What would you say? I would say businesses absolutely do that. And so I think that um, the hardest part of any branding program is to develop the internal consistency to execute it. So I get it. Yeah. But consistency communicates excellence. It does. And it's it, it, it will differentiate you um, from others and it will help communicate excellence to your people if you find a way to cast vision for that. And I think one of the ways is, is um, we've communicated up to leadership that this is a value. And the more they've championed that with us, that's really helped my team um, in, in terms of taking ground. Okay, Caitlin, next one of these is that you used to think uh, that a good campaign was all that mattered, but now you know better. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so that's kind of the counterpoint of what we talked about before, which is that you don't want to take too much leadership away from your ministry partners. Uh, you really want to encourage them. So the success and failure of any communication <clears throat> initiative often lies with the energy and excitement of your ministry partner. So Adam, I think you actually have a really good story to illustrate that. Yeah, you know, we've seen that communication is a leadership tool, uh, but it is never a substitute for good leadership. And I think one of the examples we had seen with this was a uh, just an initiative that we had done two years in a row where we wanted the whole body to do something for a few weeks, uh, memorize some scripture for a few weeks. And the first time, first year we did this, it was amazing, right? Uh, the whole body was involved in it. It was fantastic. It went well. And we would kind of look at it from a communication perspective and go, man, we probably could have done more on that. Like the slides mm -hmm. were okay and the branding was okay. The stuff we did on social was okay. So now we said, well, we're definitely doing that again the next year. And we thought we just knocked it out of the park. We made everything look better. It's amazing. We made these screen saver or these lock screen mm -hmm. images. I mean, we put so much thought into the campaign, implemented it perfectly, and it just it just went different. And we, yeah, we just kind of said, why, you know, everything, all the bells and whistles were so much better in year two than in year one, what happened? And as we, not just as a communication team, but as a church, we got together as leaders, we got together and said, what, this one just didn't, I mean, it wasn't a failure, but it just was different. So what, 
what happened. And that's when we realized that in year one, we had so much leadership uh, going towards that, that it wasn't just the slides and the stage announcements. It was the constant reminders in all meetings. It was individual conversations of, all right, re-engage John, re-engage tonight. Make sure that when you're up there and you do the announcements, um, make sure you bring up this scripture memory challenge that we're going through. And it, it was a lot of, yeah, a yeah. lot of that, those kind of conversations that didn't happen in year two. And that's where we, we went away and we go, ah, it still takes leadership. And so mm-hmm. you can have the greatest looking graphic design stuff, but if you don't have the energy and the leadership behind it, it, it may fall flat. Yep. Yeah, I would say that uh, we encourage our ministry partners to own projects with us and not necessarily delegate to us. Yeah. So we think of ourselves as leaders serving leaders. And so we really want um, our ministry partners to feel the weight and the privilege of that of the, of the leadership that it takes for a communication initiative to be successful. Yeah. So if you're a senior leader, you don't just uh, create some good ideas and fire off an email and say, you know, make a slide. Yeah. Instagram campaign and let's blow this thing up. Yeah. Uh, you know, Caitlin, your phrase is that um, the ministry partner is the official pace car for energy and leadership, Mm -hmm. you know? And so uh, I think it's a, it's a great idea. Like we can't go faster or further uh, than the leader on this deal. We could, but uh, Adam, your, your phrase was, it's a tool, it's a tool, but it's not a substitute. Yeah. And uh, it's really easy to uh, uh, just think that it is when you, when you see people with, you know, a hundred thousand Instagram followers and, you know, all they do is take walks on the beach and photos of themselves. You think that's, that's all we need is a good lens and, uh, and we can, uh, we can have influence in, in the church. It still takes, takes leadership. So, mm-hmm. really, and I really think for thought. communications uh, folks that are out there listening, it's just important to set those expectations with every project. So with every project, just making sure you're defining the role of, Hey, we're going to execute and we're going to do strategy with you and arm you with the creative, but we really need you to lead the staff to lead the body in it. And so defining those roles every single time is just helpful. That's good. Love it. Love it. Okay. Next one uh, that we used to think uh, that creativity mattered more than function. What do you mean by that? So I would say that clarity blesses people and sometimes the church can struggle to be clear. And whoa, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where, give me an example, opinion. please. Fired. In fact, give me nine examples nine right examples now. Nine examples right now. So the, the, where this comes up most often is when it comes to naming your ministry. Okay. There's Here we people, go. People yeah. getting frustrated. Like, They're getting their emails yeah. out. Blood pressure so, is up. So don't let creativity get in the way of being clear there. So I think I um, uh, we see often that ministry names can either uh, be too vague. Um, so we see ministry names like if I, these are made up names. And if these are the names of your ministry, email me and we'll help you rename them. But um, things like, <laughs> you know, the 118 or like an, a scripture reference or ignite or empowered by grace. These like vague things that don't mean a ton, right? Keep going, keep going. Keep going. Okay, okay I'm, I've tapped out, I've tapped out. Um, and what you're really doing is you're creating a barrier for people to engage with you, yeah. right? And so I think that there was also a time when that was really trendy to have that. And I, I think that we're kind of past that time. So I would say, um, and then on the other side of it, you can also have a ministry name that's too literal. So a great example of that, and then that becomes uninspiring. So a really good example of this happened this week. So we have a single adults ministry that um, is this growing ministry for 30s, 40s, uh, 30s, 40s, and 50s singles, right? And so they came to us and they'd just been called single adults, which is clear, which is great. And clarity blesses people, but it was too clear. It was uninspiring. It didn't um, inspire any sort of excitement to go. And actually the insight that came back was that um, the the people that were participating didn't like to be 
labeled by who they were. They did, hey, I'm more than just a single adult. I want something interesting. And so we actually ended up renaming them Gather, which um, still is, it, it kind of sets a tone and it casts a vision for coming together and connecting. So it's not completely vague, um, but it's also not too literal. So in general, I like to, to, to aim somewhere in the middle, not too vague and then not too literal. Now, when in doubt, I would say be clear. Hmm. So I think some really good examples at Watermark of, of ministries that have been able to um, strike a balance of that. I think re-engage, John, what you've been involved with. So re-engage is a marriage enrichment program. So it has engage in there, which sets the tone for it's about marriage, right? And so, but it's still interesting and inviting and intriguing, but you still, it's still clear. And I think that strikes a nice balance. And let me give one, uh, another great example, I think, of where we were vague on purpose, mm-hmm. and that is with SHIFT. And so SHIFT is yeah. our grief recovery ministry for students, so students and teenagers. Uh, and we had thought about, <clears throat> excuse me, we thought about that That ministry is like, well, what, is, what does SHIFT mean? Is that really clear to the grief recovery process? And we had thought about changing that name to grief recovery for students and teens, right? It's very clear. And then the leaders wisely came back to us, and I'm so glad we listened to them. And they just said, that is so uninspiring for a student to tell their friends, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm going to grief recovery mm-hmm. for teens and students, which is like the second they said that we got it. And we yes. said, okay, we are trying to serve them to make sure that they have something that they can tell their friends that is a little vague, but also sounds like, so you can tell your friends, oh, I go to this thing called shift on Wednesday nights. What's that? It's Put this, on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's this thing that I go to at my church. It's really helpful. Like you, the, you're helping them communicate about it with their peers. And so that's one that we went very vague on purpose. Mm-hmm, yeah. Absolutely. So I would say uh, if you are naming a ministry, be, just think about that really clearly. So sometimes I'll hear things like, oh, we're going to name it this now, and then we might rename it later. I would say, try to get to the name you want as early as possible. Cause once those t-shirts are printed and once that curriculum is printed, it's real hard to get that back. So be really thoughtful about your ministry names early on. It's awesome. Awesome. Okay. Let me ask you a question. So, um, the, there's somebody that uh, is listening to this podcast and they're really, really excited. And somebody already clicked off 20 minutes ago. Cause I said, this just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So the person that goes, man, this matters. Like what, how can I get my church to understand the value in this, like the why. I just get pushed back. I get stonewalled on this deal. Like what uh, arm that person with some good like talking points, some good why, um, you know, what, what would you do to, to kind of, you know, get leadership to buy off on some of these ideas and really up the communication game? Yeah. So, so I, I'm going to, um, what I hear often sometimes for people trying to justify not focusing on communication is because churches are notoriously not that great at communication. So it's easy to say, well, we're not that great at it, but neither is a lot of other churches. So <laughs> everybody else is really, really everybody smart. Else is so, really yeah, bad. Yes. Bad. So in my counter to that is to say, but yeah, but your target, right? Your members are not evaluating you against another church. They're evaluating you against other brands. And so all they're seeing is that you're less excellent with every other um, entity that they interact with on social media or in email. So they're not evaluating you against another church that's also bad. They're evaluating you against uh, the other- Nike and Nike Apple. Nike and, and Apple. Disney. And yeah. yes, and do you have to be as excellent as them? No. Can you learn some things from what they do? Absolutely. And so those are who you're evaluating against. And then excellence, uh, we say all, all, all the time around here, excellence honors God and inspires men. So it makes sense 
to, to seek for excellence specifically in communication. And here's something, uh, watching Kaylin, we've been on the same team for almost two years now, 18 mm-hmm. months, two years. Here's what I've seen that she probably wouldn't say because she's too humble to say it, but Kaylin does a great job of understanding what a leader wants and then showing how good communication will help them get what they want. Yeah. So if you are a communications person on your team, you've got to spend time understanding what your senior leadership and your leadership team wants. Mm -hmm. What do they want? And then you have got to, your value proposition is how can I show them that better communication is going to help them achieve their goals? Otherwise, it's going to be noise. It's another program. It's another activity. It's another thing that they're going to have to say no to. No leader likes to say no. And so if you come to them and go, I think I can help you achieve what you have in your mind. So you've got this big new ministry that you're about ready to launch. Let's say somebody's going to launch re-engage right at their church. And so they've signed up and they've done everything and they're about ready to launch it. You can go up to the senior pastor and go, I bet I know how we can make re-engage the best one in our city. And, uh, and I think then you're going to have their ears and then you're showing them how those, those tools, this communication tools are going to help them. And I think that's what Caitlin does really well. It's awesome. Yeah. Walking into your senior pastor's, uh, office and saying you're stupid and you don't get it, you know, you should Mm -hmm. do this. It's not the best strategy. Here's what you care about. (laughs) And here's why I care about it too. Right. right. And then I don't, frankly, I don't spend time on a, a lot of time on things that my senior leadership doesn't care about, even if I care deeply about it. Yeah. So I cared uh, if I might care super deeply about really trendy graphics. I we have we don't necessarily care too much about that. We care about excellent and clarity and visually appealing, but we're probably not going to be chasing the latest trends in graphic design. So while I would personally love to spend time on that, that's not part of that's not an ideal or a value that our senior leadership cares too much about. So I'm not going to spend time on it. I'm going to spend time on what they care about. And then eventually, as if you build trust, they might give you a little bit more leeway in other things. And I think what you're seeing with the brand guide, which is something that you have for a couple of years said, I think this would really help Mm -hmm. us. And she's just played her cards really well with that. And so the first time she mentions it, it gets bristled at. No, we don't, that's not us. We're not going to We didn't do understand that. probably. We didn't have categories. Right. We didn't have a category guys. for it. Like, and yeah. so then as she's learning more and more, and as our team is learning more and more about what senior leadership wants, we just keep keep reminding them, hey, this, this right now, this problem we're facing, this is where a brand guide would help. Yeah. Oh, okay, really? You know, and then, then another problem. Right now, this problem we're trying to say, this is where a brand guide would help. And so, again, just knowing your senior leaders and showing that your, your tools are not something that you're fighting for, that's your hobby or just your own mm-hmm. personal artistic preferences. This is going to help the mission. And I think that's, that's a great way to go yeah, about you it. Said, you just said, Caitlin, that when you... Uh, when you earn trust, you get leeway, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and we, you know, Adam and I have just seen that we've, we've seen you walk in and say, guys, listen, you know, and you walk into a room with some imposing figures and you just go, this is what you want. And I think this is how you can get there. And every, you just kind of click through two, three slides and everyone looks at each other and goes, okay, let's do that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I think I, also trusting your senior leadership that they, they truly do know uh, or want what's best for the organization and being uh, willing to follow them in that. Uh, specifically if you're just starting out or trying to make a change in communication. Hey, trust your leadership that they um, know what's best for the organization, try to help accomplish their goals, and then cast vision for things that you think could really help you move down the or maybe even if they don't know what's best, yeah. right, uh, that you believe they want what's best yes, for the organization. Because we, sometimes we don't know and the senior leader doesn't know, but they're going to be the one that gets to go first. And it's, hey, I know they're they're not making this decision because they don't want what's best for the organization. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to believe that they want what's best. Insert trust. And it may not be the right thing, but we're going to we're going to try to trust them. I love it. Uh, real practical, tactical 
uh, when someone gives you a bunch of copy, uh, like someone gives you three pages of copy, mm-hmm. the first phrase out of your mouth seems like almost every time is what? Uh, make it simpler. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a on my team, we have a, a something called the 50 percent rule. So it's essentially right um, specifically when it comes to copyright to get to the right idea. So you get your ideas right and then reduce the amount of words on a page, the page by 50 percent. Um, people just are not going to read all of that. And so we're constantly ask, asking, how can we make it simpler? Be a maniac about simplicity. I love it. It was just really, really helpful. Then your people, they've got a connotation of, hey, I don't have to dig through this monstrous, you know, email to find mm-hmm. the, um, it's the, a way to serve people. Honestly, making things simpler is a, is a way you serve your people. Caitlin, thanks so much for being in studio. I Thank hope, you. uh, your second podcast experience was maybe better than that comic. Book and I hope, yeah. I hope this podcast is still going. I hope you're not like a curse that takes it down. I know. Find out later. There's oh, less man. dungeons and dragons in this podcast than my previous ones, <laughs> but I'm not going to hold that against you. Well, thank you. Well, all right. Well, if you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you would like for us to consider in the future, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you again next time.